Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. She's back and in one piece. (laughs) I'm back. What a holiday we had. How was it? Do you know what? It was the best holiday we've ever had as a family without a shadow of a doubt because it was, you know... Being outdoors in the mountains is my favorite place to be. I love it so much. And Dozza learned, you know, a new skill at the age of 36. The kids. Oh, gosh, of course, because he wouldn't. He was a beginner. Not, yeah, yeah, of course. Because yeah. he would not have, he, he wouldn't have been allowed to go, would he? Like James. No. James has never been skiing because he's no. not allowed to. It's like they're in their contracts. They're not allowed to do it. You need to get gosh. James on a pair of skis because I saw my husband come alive in that week. He really? just absolutely loved it. And the highlight for me was was taking, like the kids were in ski school every single day, but it's skiing with them in the afternoons. Like we went down green runs, the three of us, wow. me, Kit and Luna together. I mean, it was just like on a pommel lift together, just all chatting away. And looking. It was really like, it's, it was a dreamy experience for me because skiing and being, you know, up there in, in the with the white powder, it means so much to me. Like it just, yeah. I, I love it so much. Oh, do you know what? I actually felt quite emotional when I saw, I think you put up a video of you and Luna skiing down the mountain. I was like, oh my God, that is so amazing. You both just looked so happy. And I was like, oh my God, it's it's actually really nice when you find something that Mm. all, like the whole family can do together and, you know, you all enjoy. It's actually quite unusual, I guess, isn't it? Something that all ages can really get involved with. And like, I grew yeah. up in a house of like we all went. We we were so lucky. We went on skiing holidays together. But my dad never skied, and mm. it was interesting because I spoke to my mum yesterday about it. Mm. And she was like, "How was it?" And I was like, "It was brilliant." And she said, "You know, I'm really annoyed with myself that I never made your dad get on a pair of skis because he was too frightened. He, you know, he came into it too late in life, and he was like, I'm too old to do this, and I'm not going to mm. do it.' And actually, he just used to walk around the town whilst we, the three of us, used to go skiing together. I'm mean, sure he was quite happy. He was like drinking beers at like the yeah. local, you know. He loved to ski all the day. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would be me. That's what I would do. I'd just escape and use it as an excuse. <laughs> How are you? What's been going on? Because did you not, you, oh, you were going to go away, weren't you? We were you? supposed to be going oh, away no. on Thursday. Then I realised Axel's passport didn't have six oh, months shit. left on it. Um, 
oh so annoying so yeah. I had to go to the passport office that place is so stressful isn't it you've been yes. it, yeah. why is it so stressful I don't get I, I genuinely don't get stressed or anxious or anything mm. but going there I was like oh my god everyone looks stressed I should yeah. be stressed so I'm still waiting for the passport to arrive <laughs> But we should be going this week, all being well. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, well, I had to send the note to the school yeah. to say Axe will be off school, and actually they're really nice, so that's good. That's so good. fingers crossed, we'll get a little sunshine break, hopefully. Oh, um, I'm keeping all my fingers and toes crossed yeah. for you because there was a chance that we weren't even going to get home. I mean, like we want to give a special shout out as well to anybody that's been affected by Storm Eunice because it has been going crazy the last few days hasn't it I mean yeah. people people coming back to no powers fences blown over walls not like it's just been mm. a, you know a nightmare so yeah keeping all fingers and toes crossed George that you can actually get away because yeah. isn't there another one that's supposed to have come in oh don't I'm just not looking at any all right, like, okay, weather related we'll ignore reports it. and I'm yeah. not looking at the passport tracking either I'm just oh, burying God. my head in the sand and just thinking positively <laughs> <laughs> it's the right way to live that is, is the right thing to do um, let's get into today's chat what a special conversation oh. we had with this incredible woman oh my god a oh real real highlight on the podcast wasn't it absolutely I mean we've been wanting to get her on the podcast for so long and it was definitely worth the wait um yeah the, the, the chat had everything and of course one of our favorite things to talk about labor there is a great birth story coming a massive massive moment for her going through that and then what she's kind of used to as well the sort of aftermath of going through the labor that she had and everything that she experienced and then having to cope with yeah with family members being there all the time and like it's just it was fascinating to hear she also had an arranged marriage which was I don't know about you George but for me that was so intriguing I was so interested to hear how that even sort of how that even starts like how, how do you you know who arrange like who arranges that so all of that comes out in it and then um you know obviously like she, she she told us about all of her sort of cooking and baking and how she came to be doing what she's doing today so I think we should just get into it George who are we talking to today today we are chatting to Nadia Hussein Somebody who we've all watched on our screens for basically the last seven years. She won Bake Off back in 2015. MBE now as well. Three children with her husband, who apparently does half of the ironing. So I can't wait to ask her about that because <laughs> if she could give any advice this way, that would be great. She's about to launch her beautiful new cookware range, Nadia Loves. She is a celebrity chef, a presenter, an author, and an all-round legend. Let's welcome Nadia Hussein, MBE, to the podcast. Do I have to Yay! say that when I say your <laughs> no, name? No, you don't. I just make my husband say it all the time. Just so he is reminded he's reminded. <laughs> he's ironing yes it's like you must address me as Nadia Hussein MBE please thank you very much so yeah only, only my husband you don't have to no I like it though I'm going to drop it in throughout the podcast just yeah, so please. I remember who I'm talking to <laughs> oh it is so lovely to have you on the first question we always like to ask our guests is how are you we've just come out the other side of a pandemic how have the last two years been for you yeah I kind of okay kind of okay uh you're asking me at a time where I am kind of okay. I can't promise that that will continue into the evening, uh, but I am kind of all right, right? The sun's shining. You know what? It's good to be alive. My goodness. It yeah. is so good to be alive uh, and we have to count our blessings sometimes. So yeah, we have good days. I have good days and bad days. I have to get out of the habit of saying we because I feel like I have to speak for 
I'm always like a person, I I feel like I have to always, I'm always a part of a family and I'm not an individual anymore. So it's like, no, I am okay today. Thank you very much for asking. That's good. I do that too. Don't worry. In fact, I talk, I say we constantly that I sometimes forget who I am. So yeah. um, how did you guys as a family, the five of you cope with the lockdown situation that we were all flung into? What was kind of day to day like? Because I, I read somewhere that you used to make your kids go for a 10k hike in the morning. And I thought respect yeah. to you for that. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, we still very, yeah. So it's harder now because before the pandemic start, as we kind of entered the pandemic, they were emerging teenagers and now they're full-blown teenagers. So dragging them out of bed at seven o'clock in the morning to walk around the lake and say, you know, we're going to do 5K and then not, not, there'd be nothing in it for them. It's hard to get them out as much now. Um, mm. But... That being said, we did maintain a routine of getting up, going for a walk, uh, spending time as a family. Whether we spoke or not, it was just getting up and, and doing something together. Don't get me wrong, just like any other family, we were, you know, going through family sized bags of crisps and eating uh, <laughs> a lot of cake. We did it. We did it all. There's nothing we didn't do. But there was at, at the very start of the pandemic, there was a moment where I thought, oh my goodness, we are never, rather than looking at it as, like a negative thing rather than saying we're stuck at home let's let's change the narrative and say we're safe at home and let's let's be grateful for the fact that we have a roof over our heads and that we are in the safety of our own homes because while the pandemic was happening there was so much stuff happening happening out in India and you could see everything unfold in other countries who are a lot less fortunate than us so we did take moments to reflect quite a lot and and think about where we were and changing the narrative for us as a family um and we did um and we did at the very beginning really enjoy being together um (laughs) but that didn't last very long (laughs) yeah a few weeks in you were thinking Uh, oh yeah oh my god what's with this homeschooling stuff like oh my god oh my goodness and because it was harder with the youngest because she was what nine when that happened and she and the school would set tasks like do something creative bake cupcakes and I'm like seriously she cannot bake any more cupcakes today this kitchen can only take so much baking (laughs) and I do enough of it for this one household she doesn't need to make cookies and um yeah so there's a lot of that whereas the boys just kind of got on they just got on with stuff and they're in high school so they kind of just got on with it um but yeah there were moments of bliss but there were also moments of absolute mayhem where I thought, oh my goodness, we can't, I don't know we can do this any longer because mm. we loved and hated each other all at the same time, if that mm-hmm. even makes sense. Totally. I totally agree with you. Home was work and home was school and then you weren't allowed to go to work and then you had to become the teacher and the, you were still the mother and the wife. And it was, uh, it was a crazy time. It was a bit of a, for me, it was, um, I felt like I was constantly in a tumble dryer, just like desperately trying to get out of it and juggling a lot, which is what we do anyway. But yeah. I think the fact that we weren't allowed to go anywhere or have that release release that was quite quite challenging yeah yeah no absolutely I found like and and then trying to get back to normal yeah because I actually then mm. realized I'm really introverted and quite like being a recluse yeah and I quite like and I'm that person who you know when I've made plans and then I realize I can't make those plans and there is a joy in not being able to make those plans and you're like oh my goodness I get to stay home and and I, <laughs> I love that um yeah so I, I'm very much a homebody I love spending time at home and 
so yeah, there was even now I'm finding I, I'm struggling to eat myself back into normal life. We'll see. We've got to get back there, haven't we? Yeah, we do. We do. There's so many things we want to talk to you mm. about. We'd love to go back to the beginning of your motherhood journey when you met your husband. What did that look like for you? So we had. I'll go a little bit further back because what had happened was my father and my father-in-law both kind of knew each other as kids, and I was too lazy to go and find somebody to marry. And so I said, look, I'm happy to have an arranged marriage if you guys are willing to arrange it. My dad was like over the moon. He's like, yeah, totally happy to do that. And so he got in contact with mutual friends with my father-in-law and they'd then worked out that they'd worked together when they were 18. So, which was really weird crossing of fate, you know, like they'd known each other and, and years later their children would be married. But in their meeting, we happened to just kind of my, my husband and I, we managed to, between the mutual person, exchange numbers. And then we started to talk to each other. We didn't know what either of us looked like. So we started to talk to each other and we spoke to each other for about six months. Uh, we'd exchanged photos. And I've got to say, I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw. <laughs> and and I could, yeah. So he, he made, I mean, I wasn't keen on having children to begin with. I, I didn't see myself as a mother. Um, mm. And I remember seeing him thinking, oh, my goodness, he actually might make quite cute babies. Oh, yeah. What a good result that was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I could see myself having babies with him. And so he kind of changed my mind almost straight away. And then we met for the first time with all of our families in the same house. And that's the first time I'd laid eyes on him. Um, and uh, that's the day we actually got engaged. And wow. he, he was not traditional and he didn't get me a ring because he'd never met me. So he doesn't know a ring size. So he got me a really ugly B.A. Baracus type bracelet. <laughs> Have you still got that? No, I sold it within seven days. Oh, sh- well done. I yeah. sold it and bought a car. Did you? <laughs> I did. I'm not even joking. Seven days. You're joking. No, I sold it and I bought a car and I said, one day I'll buy a ring, but I'll buy one that I like. Yes. Um, and then it, I did buy, buy, I bought, he bought me one sort of, five years ago which I really loved and that's the one I would have had had I not had the bracelet but I did get myself a car so that was So did he get down on one knee and give you the bracelet? No he 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 shook like a leaf and gave me this bracelet in front of all of our elders and all of our family members and wouldn't look at me because he was so nervous that somebody would catch him looking at me um and but that was our meeting at first Mm. and it was all very it was actually really when you think about it it seems insane because actually it was all based on looks but we did speak to each other for six months and we, yeah. we did find that there was a lot, we had a lot in common and we had lots of life goals that matched. Mm. Um, and for us, in some ways, we did it the other way around. We courted after we got married as opposed to before. Uh, mm. and, and, and we were within the confines of marriage. So there was kind of like, we can't, we, we can't, we have to try and make it work because we're married. And then the day, the second time I had ever seen him, was the day we got married. This is incredible. You said that he was shaking like a leaf. What were you like in that moment? Oh, it was hideous. There was a lot of perspiration that no amount of powder could fix. <laughs> the top lip. Yeah, the top a lip lot of sweat. Shiny. A yeah. lot of sweat. I was sweating so much. My thighs were dripping. It was, And I was in a sari, which is like six feet of material yeah. wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. Um, look, I was, pers- I was, I was sweating, but I looked good. That's us. What mattered in that moment? <laughs> I looked good sweating. So it didn't matter, but it was really scary. It was one of the scariest things I've ever yeah, done in my life. Course. And I'm not a risk taker. I'm very much kind of, I'm very risk averse. I like to make my, dis- I like to think about things before I do them. And, um, yeah, he was the biggest and best risk I'd ever taken. This is an amazing story. 
That's inc- that's absolutely incredible. Was there was there any time where you thought because you said, "Oh, I'm just too lazy to get a husband." Yeah. I mean, could you have gone off and found somebody? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. my sisters did that. You know, my they sisters went off and found people that they, you know, had a, you know, who they wanted to marry. And and yeah, absolutely. It, it, I could have very easily done that. But mm. you know, I grew up in a in a in a community and in a family where as as a as a daughter, I was I have brown skin. And the, the colorism is rife within our community. Like if you've got yeah. dark skin, you know, one of the first things you'll hear is, oh, I don't know how we're going to get her married. Um, wow. Because dark skin is, you know, it's it, colorism is something that is prominent within our community. And, you know, my parents, very much realistic in the sense that they would say, uh, I wish they'd sugarcoated it occasionally uh, and say, yeah. you know what, you're beautiful as you are. But they were like, yeah, but you're dark. So I don't know how we're going to find you a husband. But so when I then married this gorgeous, very fair skinned, um, what um, he gets often gets mistaken for an Italian person. And and then they're like, oh, my dad was like, oh, oh, he's very good looking. How do you think this will last? I'm like, really, dad? Oh, thanks, dad. Really? He goes, thanks, I'm just dad. being realistic. I said, keep your realism to yourself. Thank you very Zip much. Zip it up. Zip it up, we, dad. Yeah, dad, we don't need any of that. But yeah, we, um, we've, we, we had to go through a lot of that kind of, we had to hear a lot of stuff under people's breath. Mm. Um, and I think that made us stronger. It made us realize that actually my husband, I remember when he first met me, he was like, everyone was like, she's, she's, she's okay, but she has got dark skin. That was kind of the, that was, that was the thing that everybody spoke about. And my husband was like, I don't, yes, she has dark skin, but she's beautiful. And I suppose for us, you know, he's always seen past the whispers and he's seen past the kind of superficial element of it all. And he sees me for who I am and, and and I see him for who he is. And he's much more than his fair skin and his tall body and his, you know, and then there's much more to that. And and he, you know, we both see past all of that. And and what matters was that we had the same goals and we mm-hmm. um we we have a very similar sense of humor and we have the same taste in music and we're both a little bit silly and 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 that's what works for us yeah mm. when you were discussing in those six months were you talking about having kids because you briefly said you didn't know if you wanted to be a mother at that point no, you were 20 I mean, right yeah I mean when I was 19 yeah. when I was talking to him and then at 20 and then he he kind of discussed having children and we kind of discussed that like what if we couldn't have kids you know because I don't want to be in a situation where and and to me I asked that question because part of me didn't want to have children like I I wasn't there but I was 19 you know like I didn't when I was a kid myself so having children wasn't an option for me um and I was like well what if I couldn't have kids but but by that I think I meant what if I didn't want to have kids but I was too scared to say that out loud um and he said look you know there are so many options these Mm, days you know um we can that stuff, if we love each other and we're together and, and we're in it for the long haul, then, you know, that's stuff that we can deal with when we're in that situation. But, you know, and, and Abdel said, you know, having children for us isn't the be all and end all. And so we kind of went into marriage thinking that maybe we will have kids and maybe we won't. We, we did. It wasn't a sure thing. Um, and I remember getting married and thinking, God, I don't want kids, but he makes me want to have children. He makes me want to have his children. And I think that's the difference between wanting to have children and not knowing who you're going to have kids with. But then you meet the right person and you think, oh my goodness, if I procreate with this man, we could have some beautiful, wonderful human beings. So true. So true. And I said this yesterday on Instagram. I said, I wasn't the, I wasn't the woman that grew up wanting to have children. I could barely hold my cousin's babies. You know, I was always like freaking out about them being sick or I didn't feel like I had a maternal bone in my body. And then I met my now husband, Dozer. 
And it was almost like a light bulb moment. I mean, the more time we spent together, I just thought, no, this is the person I want to create tiny humans with. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, it was like two people coming together at the perfect moment to create another human. And that, and that's how it felt for me. Whereas I yeah. wasn't longing to be a mother before that. No, I mean, marriage, children, that wasn't something that I, I never aspired to that because I grew up around women who all had, they had one, their fate was sealed. You know, they were to get married they would have children, they were to look after their homes and look after their husbands. And for me, that felt like, I felt like I had more to give. I felt like my life, that's not what my, it's something that perhaps I would have done, but not in that, you know, like not at 19, not at 20, it wasn't something that I aspired to become because everybody around me didn't look that happy. You know, they didn't look like they were having a great time and that didn't, they didn't sell it. <laughs> they just didn't sell it to me. And I just thought to myself, I don't know if I want to do this um, until I met him. And then I was like, actually, I could see myself having kids with this man. And then, you know, we got married in the August and I was pregnant in the November. (laughs) So three pregnancies, three babies. How were those pregnancies? How different were they? They were very, um, they were very textbook, you know, just very easy. They were not difficult. And, And as somebody who stays busy all the time, I never found myself... Like I only felt tired after having the kids. I felt like every, like every pregnancy was very textbook, very kind of, there was nothing out of the ordinary um, with all of my pregnancies. It was labor that I wasn't prepared for. Oh, right. Yeah. Talk me through that. I mean, Jesus, me neither. So uh, because yeah, my sister, by then my sister had had two children and she had teeny tiny little children and she um, had really easy labors. So I say easy, I don't mean easy, no labor is easy, but she, it, again, her her pregnancy wasn't textbook, but her labors were, like she kind of went in and um, it was it was all, it felt really, what's the word? It felt like a Disney movie when she described it. Mm. And I, I kind of imagined that because she's my sister, I would have a Disney, Disney movie type labor and it would be wonderful and there'd be a great song, musical number at the end. And, and it was nothing like that. Jazz hands. Yeah. None of that. Um, I, I was in labor, active labor, labor for 72 hours. Oh, my first. No, and my sister just said, I don't know if you're ever going to have this baby. And I was like, I, I, I will. And there was a point where I was like, this baby's never going to come out to the point where it, it was touch and go because his heart rate was dropping. I was exhausted. And, and we got to a point where like, we were signing paperwork to have a C-section. And then he decided to show up. And when I mean show up, he basically flew out, which meant that I had fourth degree tears. Oh, Nadia. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, so for me, there was this moment where I kind of got up and I was like, oh, I was delirious. And I was like, oh, it's really red in here. And that was just the blood. That oh, was just wow. the blood. Yeah, so I was being stitched up. It was so quick that I was being stitched up while I was still on the bed and while painkillers were still working. I was being stitched up and sort of 60 something stitches later, I was, it was, it was a massacre is all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, and you know Did you I have mean? an epidural or were yes. you doing this on, uh, yeah, so yeah. Sim- yeah, similar, okay. I, I had an epidural. So as the painkillers were still working, yeah. they just said, right, let's stitch you up. Um, and for me, the moment of bliss was, you know, while I'm being stitched up, Abdal is being peed on by my son and <laughs> he crying hysterically. And, and there was that moment where I kind of felt like this is the best thing I've ever done. Even though I was being stitched and I could f- feel every tug, um, they put him on me under my clothes and he just went completely quiet. 
And that for me was a moment of bliss. I thought, oh my goodness, he's mine and I'm his. And that's the first time I felt fully connected to anyone in a way that I have never felt before in my life. Um, And he needed me. And I don't know who needed who more, but it felt like I needed him more in that moment. But he needed me. And that's like, for me, it felt like the first time I ever had real purpose was having him. Um, Yeah, and it was, yeah, and, and it just made, it made all of that, the, the hideous labor worth that moment. I think it does in that moment, right? I think you go through so much to get to that point and then the baby's, you know, placed on your chest and you do the skin on skin and I think you get that rush of of love, absolutely, yeah. or or at least, um, you know, it, it sort of helps you deal with what you've been through if you have had a traumatic birth. Yeah. But I think personally, I don't know about you, the aftermath for me, I definitely wasn't prepared for, you no. know, the three to six months later when I was mm. trying to parent, but trying to recover. And nobody yeah. really had those conversations with me. <sighs> yeah. Did you have any friends telling you about labor and what it could be like apart from your sister? No, I, uh, the no. only person I'd known that had had a baby close to me was my sister. All my friends yes. were at university, all mm. having a great time. So in terms of friendship, you know, through uh, circumstance, we lost touch. So, you know, they were having a great time at university studying, uh, building these careers while I was building home. And so we were in different parts in our in our lives, we were in different places. So na- naturally we came to a end, our friendships came to an end because they had different life to me and they couldn't relate to me and I couldn't relate to them anymore. So I, I kind of, I felt quite closed off because friendships had ended. I was 160 miles away from my own family. I had my in-laws, but, you know, I grew up in a community where, you know, there's very little, um, and I think it's not just within my own community. I think just generally as a society, we're not very kind to mothers. We kind of, it's all about the baby and uh, we don't ask the mom, are you okay? What do you need? What, how can I help you? And I think as somebody who had, had, he was eight pound eight, he was a big baby and, and, and he was, you know, I, I, I was, I was in agony and, yeah. and and I got a lot of well you know I wasn't that bad and 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 the work that's the worst thing anyone can say to you in that moment because it's not a it's not pregnancies and labors are not there to be compared because one isn't better than the other each experience is individual and and I didn't understand that then um all I felt was just sadness I was like I want to feel better but because everyone around me was focusing on the baby, what I did was focus on the baby too and focused less on myself. And and I tried to get on and I tried to get up and I tried to cook and I tried to do more than I more than I needed to. But luckily, when everybody was gone and the doors were shut, it was me and my husband. And he, you know, he was kind and he said, Look, we don't have to, you know, he can't cook. So he was like, Look, if it's toast and pot noodles for the next month, that's what we'll eat, you know it's okay. Um, and so we just kind of, we just kind of like closed ourselves in and spent a lot of time together for the first four weeks as a family. And, um, and, and, you know, when, when it was just us three, we were safe and, you know, we had all the pressures of, uh, our culture and our family members. And we dealt with that in the moment and we didn't upset or disrespect anyone, but when they were gone, it was just us. And that's always been safe. We'll be right back after this short break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? Are there any sort of, because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of unaware about what happens culturally after yeah. you have a baby um, in your community. So are there any absolute do's and do's and don'ts? So the family there sort of straight away, do they stay? Oh, How yeah, you don't, you, yeah. Don't get, you, you definitely don't get the, you wouldn't be able to say, please, can you give me a week to recover? And then everybody can come and see the baby. Everybody right. just turns up. Um, it just turns up. Mm. Um and I remember, oh um, yeah, I remember, I mean, I'm lucky because my mom is really helpful. And so when I had my children, like she would always come and cook and she'd never like the joy of being a mom and having a mom is a wonderful thing, you know, for anyone who's had a child and, and hasn't had their mom around, you know, it's like, I'm lucky because my mom's way of looking after me, my mom's not maternal. Now, she's not a mater, you know, she doesn't do hugs and kisses and she doesn't talk about feeling. But what she does do is she looks after you. So when I had my children, she came in and she was like, yeah, you do what you have to do with the baby. And in the meantime, I'll look after everything else. So she cooked, she cleaned, she did the laundry, she looked after Abdul, she made his lunches. She did all of that. So for me, having my mom look after me felt like, you know, it really made me appreciate what it meant to be a mom because you don't stop being a mom once they're older because my mom came back to look after me, not my baby. It was my job to look after mine. And um, so I was lucky in that my mum did that. But there is also a sense of because as a daughter-in-law, you have to kind of just get up and get on with it. And when people come around, you know, making tea, and, but they don't realise you've just gone through this. Your body's just done this huge thing. Um, and so, you know, for me, yeah, of course, I was lucky because Abdal was very understanding. But we did. We were very young and we were very we were desperate to please and we didn't know how to say you know, can we have some time or some space? Yeah, enough, with, enough. And, and to yeah. be honest, when you grow up in a community like that, there is no respectful way of saying it. So you just kind of get on. Um, so it was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't always easy. I remember when the midwife walked in, but all my family had come over, but they had, they had to stay at my house and we lived in this tiny two bed. Um, and everybody was sleeping on the floor in the living room and you walk into the, you walk through the door into the living room and she kind of walked in and looked to her left and it looked like, it's like I was running a shelter. Everybody was everywhere on the floor. And then she came upstairs and she said, are you okay? Mm. Do I need to step in? And I was like, oh, no, no. They're really helpful, actually. They take up a lot of space, but they're actually really helpful. And she's like, oh, are you sure? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So... The first time anyone asks if you're okay as well, I don't know about you, but I just burst into tears. You know, it's like, don't ask me the question. No one's asked me if I'm okay. I'm just trying to get on with it. But the midwife, are you okay, really? I was like, I don't think yeah. I am. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. And I, I think that must have been really tricky, difficult for you because you're trying to please everybody and you're trying to follow that, you know, that set of rules within your, within your community and yeah. your family. But actually, sometimes you just got to shut the door and say, look, can you come back tomorrow, please? Yeah, but you know what I've learned? If anything, in, when I was having children, 
I couldn't say that. But now, as my brother and his wives are having children, we're so much more aware of the mothers. And and so what we tend to, what, certainly for myself, what I tend to do is tell my own family, guys, leave her alone, give her some space, please. You know, she's not being rude by asking for space. We need to give her space. And so we as a family, especially, especially as sisters, we're so much more aware of our sister-in-laws and they're much younger than us and they're having their babies now. So we're much more aware of the health of our sister-in-laws as we are of the baby. So we definitely kind of much more, like we, I've learned, I've learned something. I may not have had that easy experience as a mum myself, but as a woman, I've learned what it means to be a mother. And the women in my life who will have children, hopefully my daughter, my you know, my daughter-in-laws, whoever they may be, you know, if they have children, I know that I've learned something and we've got to put mums first. Mm. Now, big question. How did the baking thing come about, which led you to entering Bake Off? Was cooking always a big part of your life? Cooking has always been a huge part of my life. My dad, mum's an amazing cook. Dad ran restaurants his whole life. Um, And baking became a thing after I had my first son and I was pregnant with my second three months after having Mm. my first. So, Oh my God. Yeah, there's literally a a year and seven days between them, a year and seven days. I know it seems madness. And at the time I thought it was what, at the time I thought this is great. Like I have two babies. I can do the whole nappy potty training thing quite quickly. And then I, what I hadn't realized was that I'm going to have two teenagers at the same time, which I'm paying for now. Can I just say, I am paying (laughs) it now. I bet you are. But you know, baking and cooking became a part of my life because, you know, I, you know, we had to live on a budget. And for me, you know, if I was going to cook for my children, it was going to be, everything was from scratch. And I was a stay at home mom. So I had that luxury of being able to do all of that from scratch. And I loved it. I loved every second of creating and cooking for my kids. And that's kind of where over the sort of eight, nine years of having children, young children, I didn't realize that whilst I was baking and cooking for my family and using it as a tool to kind of ease my anxiety, I was honing this skill that was going to come in use years later. And I obviously didn't plan that. It's just something that I became really good at. I mean, you are really good at it. I mean, that's a bit of an under, un, understatement, but Bake Off 2015. It was the sixth series. Had you watched it before? Yeah, I'd watched it every year. I'd watched it every single year. And then no, I'd watched it for the first two years. And then since I've watched the first ones, but back then it wasn't a bit, it wasn't as big, you know, the first, second series, but it was one of those things that my husband, like without, he watched it because he, we we wanted we wanted to do something together. He never watched it because he wanted to watch it. Because let's face it, he was like, I'm not inter- interested in this. But he would watch it and say, oh, you can do that. Or you're really good at that. Or I think you can yeah. do that better. <laughs> so he would say things that I would never say out loud. Um, and he just did the application for me and said, look, I've done the application. All you've got to do is like this boring, these bits here, which because I can't bake. And then just if you get through the interview stage and you do the interviews, let's see what happens. And I was like, absolutely No way. So the only reason why I said yes to him posting this application was to humor him. I was like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it. But I mean, let's face it, I had the last laugh. I get to travel all around the world and he has to (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's worked out so well. I love that. But I love that he got you there because do you know what? Sometimes we need that little handhold to say, come on, it's, you know, you're really excellent in this. And maybe you hadn't seen your, your, your skills at that point. Yeah, you know, also I wasn't used to anybody saying, oh, actually, you know what, you're really good at this. I wasn't used to being told, you're really good at this, or I think you can do this, or I think you should do this, or, or you know, and I had n- I'd never experienced that in my life. Mm. And he was the first person 
in my entire 20 years, you know, 29, however old I was at the time, in my three decades on earth, where he said, you're really good at this. He was the first person that believed I could do something. And, um, and I was my own worst enemy because I was like, no, I absolutely can't. But I was only repeating what I was used to hearing. And he was the first person to say, no, you know what, actually, I think you can do this. And I'm glad I went with it. I'm glad I listened to him. And I'm glad that he believed in me more than anything else. Because had he not had that belief, I don't know that I'd be able to take the f- next steps that led me to being on Bake Off. And then since then, your whole career has just opened up. I mean, you're literally everywhere. And I fe- it feels... I'm sorry I mean, I about that. I'm sorry no, we love that. it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I actually hope, I'm hoping that chatting to you on this podcast will make me a better cook. Um, because I'm one of those people that opens the fridge and goes salmon and veg again chicken and veg again like I I really enjoy it when I'm doing it but I have no idea and it's really odd because some people are super creative when it comes to cooking and then you've got and I'm a creative person but when it comes to actually standing there and knowing I I think it's because I didn't grow up I didn't grow up around it I didn't grow up with it so it's it's a it's it's something I'm sad that I'm sort of struggling with in my later latter years yeah you know so it's such a gift to be able to do that I wish I had the gift of like sending powers through these ways yes send them to me I wish I could do that but I think I think people lack confidence yes because you know because they get stuck in a rut or you know they've got you don't you know your whole focus doesn't have to be food you know life doesn't have to be your entire focus doesn't have to be in the kitchen mine is because it's my career but equally I love cooking I love eating and it's something I've always done um and it feels natural to me but I think you have to build your confidence you know you have to learn how to just play around with things or you know sometimes it's about just using something that you would normally waste you know I do things like you know the potato peels and carrot peels rather than throwing them away I have a little freezer bag and I fill the freezer bag and then at the end of the week I'll make what I call scrap soup so I will take the peelings because all the goodness is in the peel you got all that fiber in there so I make scrap soup, use spices. Sometimes I'll use Thai spices, coconut milk and make a delicious, hearty, wholesome soup for the kids. Um, So yeah, you know, it's about, you know, being, you don't have to, every meal doesn't have to be creative, but you can have fun. You know, you can have fun. (laughs) Do you always eat with the kids? Always, yes. Do you? Has that been a big part of it? Yeah. For us, especially during the pandemic, we got back into it because before the pandemic, I found that we were just kind of eating in bits constantly, just constantly kind of just picking. Um, And that is something that, you know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, I start, we started to do it again. Um, and so we try our very best to sit down at the dinner table together and eat together. Um, and we love it because it makes us like have conversations, whether they're silly or deep. We have discussions and debates. We don't allow debating at the dining table. Do you not? No, no, we don't. Because no. my son, my husband and my son, they're big debaters and they talk about philosophy and ethics quite a lot. And I'm like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no, no. We're no. talking about neighbours and we're yeah. talking about, you know, other things that have been on the telly. We're, we're gossiping. gossiping. Yeah. We are yeah. talking about how good or bad our day was, but we are not doing philosophy and ethics at dinner time. Don't put me off my food, please. Um, but yeah, we, that's banned at our table, but we do try and eat together, which just, do you know what? If that's one memory that I can create with my kids, then that's one that I'm happy to give them because it's so important to sit down and just... Make eye contact with each other. Mm. Yeah. And check in. 
mm-hmm. and make sure that they're okay and they make sure you're okay. It's a lovely yeah. thing to do. And talking of cooking and dinner tables, yes. Nadia loves, tell us about your new cookware range. My new cookware range. Uh, it's, you know what, it's something that's been in the pipeline for a while and I am very much a perfectionist and I never want to do something that doesn't feel right. And there's something about creating a cookware range that I know I will use. You know, that's really important. Everything that I have got out there now is stuff that I use every day at home and as a baker and as a cook I've tried my very best to make it easy and simple whether it's you know having you know like we've got baking trays which are really good for even baking so you've got these little patterns on there which create an even bake which is so important when you're baking because when you've got good when you've got good when you've got a good bakeware range when you've got when you've got good bakeware and cookware and and everything comes out as you want it to that gives you confidence you know especially with baking um, but you know, it's about making life easy. It's about enjoying being in the kitchen. So yeah, I'm really proud of this range. It's been a long time coming. And um, before we say goodbye to you, we love to ask our guests their favorite piece of advice for another parent. First, there's two things, I suppose. Check in on yourself. That's something that I always say to mums. Check in, ask yourself, are you okay? Because once you've got that baby in your arms, all you're ever going to think is, is this baby okay? You're constantly worrying about this baby. But sometimes just give yourself a moment, put the baby down and I'll check in with yourself and ask yourself, are you okay? That's really important. Um, But one thing that I always do, especially with all the family members in my family who are having children, one thing I always do is remind the mums in my life that you are doing an amazing job and be proud of yourself. So that's something that we should always remind ourselves. I love that, Nadia. And um, your five favourite products. So this can be around baking it can be around having teenagers I mean, we haven't even spoken about you having teenagers that's we can save that for another time but are there okay. any sort of die hard products that you swear by at home products less so but i uh, for me like have a stocked snack cupboard guys oh, have yes. a stacked snack cupboard because like, i have teenagers and they have friends around and it's like it, honestly they're like locusts mm. they're like locusts um and what i find with teenagers if they're fed they're happy so it's so true isn't it yeah honestly all of those hormones it's just yeah. all they need is a, is a bit of food if they're fed they're happy I would like to say that every single like product in your cookware uh, range is going to be something that everybody needs to buy so maybe we can say that and uh, it's available March the 14th at John Lewis and on Prestige's website if you're desperate to get a hold of it like I am Nadia Hussein it has been an absolute treat chatting to you thank you for being so honest thanks it's been so lovely. much Nadia thank you thank you so much Wow. wow. I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> She's what amazing, an isn't she? Woman. Oh, absolutely. I think, gosh, I mean, I, I learned a lot from that chat. And it's really interesting, you know, we live in, you know, we're in 2022 and we, I guess, we all think we need to have careers and we need to have everything. But actually, there's so many people who, who live in cultures where that's not normal. It's not mm. normal for a woman to have mm. a career and it's still very normal for a woman to stay at home and look after the house and the cooking and the, and the kids and it's just massive and massive it, respect yeah. for anybody that does that as well you know that's, yeah abs- I'm no, always absolutely amazed by it because it's not something that I would be able to do I don't I don't think I would have it in me no. to be able to do that and I know what a short-tempered like shouty cross angry mum I can be when I'm not doing yeah. the career that Set. I love and, no, you know some people would Set. look at me and go you're not spending enough time with your kids or you know you're choosing your career over them absolutely I'm, I'm not and I don't think either of us are but mm. being at home with them all the time um you know and, and having to be not having to be choosing to be a stay-at-home mother is mm. is incredible um and and luckily and like for, for Nadia she got to do that and 
and then she had this massive career. Exactly. And the thing is as well, like we come from, you know, families where we've got the choice. You know, we've got the choice and it's very much supported, you know, whether we want to have careers or whether we want to stay at home. It would be supportive whatever we chose to do. But I just found it really interesting that, you know, Nadia coming from a background where that isn't always the case. Yes. She's gone on to like absolutely yeah. smash it and what a career and, and she's sort of experienced so much. Um, it's really incredible. And I'm also hoping that when we get the, the her Nadia loves her new range that's yeah. going to be out all of her cookware it will turn me into a better a better chef although you'll be pleased to hear that I've actually been cooking loads recently and I feel yeah like the other night and again I should have probably said this at the beginning of the podcast we all ate together we ate we all ate salmon with my special sauce that I've invented with rice and stir-fried vegetables and everyone loved it Wow, Should have what's taken a picture Nadia of it. done to you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Ooh. anyone that I had, all I did was put the, the rice in the microwave for two the minutes. Altitude? But the altitude? The altitude. Tilda rice. <laughs> Actually, rice is really hard to cook. I'll give you that. I, it, I, I can't cook rice, really. I use those micro packets. It's, that's a difficult thing to do. How do you even cook rice? I've got a rice cooker. Oh, for goodness! It is just well, it's just it's just boiling water and rice, isn't it? And it's a bit of salt, but I never get it right. I'll tell you what, we don't want this podcast to bomb right at the end, so let's move away from rice yes. and say a massive, massive thank you to Nadia Hussein for coming on. It was absolutely wonderful. As always, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe, and give the podcast a little follow. That would be amazing if you could do that. Yeah, and please do tag us in your pictures. We love to see where and when you're listening. And of course, our DMs are always open. We're open to suggestions for guests, for topics you'd like to here on our Friday Q&As. We're on at Made by Mummers on Instagram and we will be back on Friday. Made by Mummers is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.